Amen. Okay, we are we took an off ramp from our march through Mark, the Gospel of Mark, uh, past two weeks during the Christmas uh, season, to discuss, of course, the Christmas story, and we will continue down for one more message today, being New Year's Eve, and we'll pick up again next week the Gospel of Mark. But as we close out 2023, and we're about to embark on 2024, I saw this uh, thing. Uh, I don't know if it's called a meme or not. Anyway, it's a post. It said, we are closer to 2040 than we are to 2000. Think about that. Closer to the year 2040 than we are to the year 2000. Y2K was just last week, wasn't it? And now here we are. That's amazing. So as we go into 2024, uh, it was last week that Tony Garrier came to me. He says, you know, every year, uh, you ask the Lord to give you a direction, a, a word or something of, you know, to set the tone for the year. And uh, I said, well, let me, let me uh, think about this. And as I was pondering these things, uh, Tony's question, a word or a topic that really kind of bore witness with my spirit was the word encouragement. Encouragement. There's a great need for encouragement. Um, we see so many disturbances, so many trials, so many tribulations uh, in the lives of people uh, here in the church and really all over the world. Uh, these are difficult times. And if you watch the news or if you're on social media, there's a lot of negativity being thrown around. I was saying, you know, I don't know how it works. I know they kind of, uh, what's it called when they kind of uh, feed you what you, you know, these things, what's it called? Propaganda? Well, that's not the word I was thinking, but that is true. Um, uh, what's it called? The algorithm, the algorithm. So I was reading this article and it, and it flipped me over to, uh, X formerly known as Twitter. That's what every time they say X formerly known as Twitter, it's like Prince, you know, remember when he changed his name and they would always say formerly known as Prince at this point with all those words, just say Prince. Right. But anyway, uh, so, uh, Twitter and for some reason, I get these notifications, and every notification that I get from Twitter is uh, somebody walking up to somebody and just uh, punching them in the face. Or, or, you know, yeah. I said, why do I keep getting this? Am I supposed to be punching somebody in the face? Are they programming me? Now, <laughs> I'm saying this is troubling that people would actually do this, but we live in a troubling world, you know. It's just crazy, the things that are out there. So a lot of negativity being thrown around. And I understand it in the world because the world doesn't have the hope that Christians have. We have a hope, okay? We have a hope that as it grows worse and worse, we know that God is still in control, that he has a plan through it all. Um, you know, of course, we know as Christians what's happening behind the scenes is is a tactic of Satan himself, the enemy of man. And uh, since man is created in the image of God. Um, so everybody needs a gift of encouragement. As I was speaking this earlier today, I was told that it was Truett Cathy. Anybody know who Truett Cathy is? The founder of, uh, uh, what's that uh, little chicken place? Uh, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, the founder of Chick-fil-A. He said, um, I say that in jest, right? Chick-fil-A is like... Uh, uh, but what he, he said was, uh, how do you know if someone needs uh, encouragement? They're breathing. 
right? Just the way it is. And that's how life is, right? They're breathing. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Uh, so we all need at times to be encouraged. We all need someone we can lean on. And there are other times where we should be able to tell someone, well, you could lean on me. All right. Uh, tonight, before our uh, world famous white elephant auction, I will preach on ways to find encouragement so that you could be encouraged yourself and be an encourager. When the Bible talks about encouraging others, it means to come alongside someone, uh, to teach, to comfort, to strengthen, to spur on, to keep pressing on. I mean, that's what God does for us. He encourages us. He gave us his Holy Spirit, and he does all these things. He, he teaches us. He comforts us. He calls things to our remembrance, strengthens us, and, and really gets us to continue pressing on. In John 14, if you want to turn there, it's a section of Scripture, part of the upper room discourse or the upper room teaching of Jesus. The timing of this teaching is right before uh, the crucifixion, the night before. Jesus and his apostles are celebrating the Passover, their last supper. And I believe that the last words from someone who's departing uh, are important words, you know, um, you know, if I'm leaving the house, I tell the kids, make sure your candle is off so that I have a house to return to, you know, uh, or make sure you unplug the curling iron, right? You ever get those moments when you drive away and you're saying, did I unplug the curling iron, right? And you got to turn back just for that reason. But so the last words are important words that you would want carried out words that you would want held on to. Um, in John 14, 26 and 27, Jesus teaches about the comforter. The Holy Spirit, it says in 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Again, Jesus is departing, uh, and he knows that his apostles are going to be sorrowful. They gave up everything to follow him. In their mind, they're not thinking of a suffering Messiah. Uh, even though Jesus you know, said he was going to Jerusalem to be crucified and then he would rise again, uh, they're thinking of a conquering Messiah, one who would overthrow uh, the Roman rule of Israel. Uh, so they're jockeying for position of who would be the greatest among them in this new government that would, Jesus would set up. So now to hear that, they're, that Jesus is leaving them uh, as he's been telling them, by the way, they were men with selective hearing. I know you probably think you know some of those men, but this, you know, or not understanding what Jesus was saying. They weren't getting it. But Jesus was about to hand the baton to them, and they were to carry out the Lord's work in this world. And as Christians, listen, when we got saved, we were handed the baton to carry out the Lord's work in a dark, crooked, and perverse world. Uh, part of ministry. I know this idea of ministry has taken on a new meaning because uh, people think it's just a vocational thing that the pastors are paid to minister. And, and that would be true, okay? But that's not fully true, okay? Because the church is not designed that it's just the pastor's job to minister. It's really everyone's job to take part in the ministry of the church. So let's understand when we talk about ministry, it means to serve. 
In the New Testament, it's seen as a service to God, but it's also a service to others in his name, okay? That God is glorified in all of these things. Jesus provided the pattern for ministry. You know, he tells us that he came not to be served, but to serve. You know, these disciples that are wrestling for the position of who would be the greatest in his kingdom, Jesus tells them, listen, if you want to determine greatness in my kingdom, it's determined by how much a person serves. In the world, greatness is looked at, uh, you know, by who gets served. But in God's kingdom, the greatest are those who serve. So yes, pastors serve, but again, pastors are not the only ones who are to be involved in ministry. From the early days of the New Testament church to the churches of this time, each Christian should be helping uh, one another, believers and unbelievers alike. That's part of what we are called to do as the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Ministry could include a lot of things. We minister to a person's physical needs. You know, James says if someone comes to you and says they're, they're hungry, they're destitute of food, and you send them off and say, be warmed and be filled, how are you ministering to them, right? Well, if somebody comes to you hungry and you say, well, I'll pray for you, they're still going home with an empty belly. That person wants a sausage and pepper sandwich. So you got to, you meet their physical needs, okay? That's just the way it goes. Uh, you know, we're to minister emotionally, you know, mentally, financially, all these things. Again, Jesus ministered and we're to be walking in his steps. And for those who take that calling seriously, uh, as we all should, by the way, because we all have that same great salvation. So as a as a, a sign of gratitude, it's, Lord, you did this for me for free. You died for my sins when I was yet a sinner. You did that for me. What can I do for you? You know, it's not to get you to heaven, but it's because Jesus paid your price. Listen, if you've never come to Christ, like Don prayed earlier, another year has gone by. What are you waiting for? You know, the standing is this. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. God made a way. He became one of us. He took on human flesh, and that little baby in the manger would grow up and, and die on a cross, bearing the sins of the world upon himself. And he paid for our sins in full with his own blood. And he offers that payment freely. So what we've earned is death and hell, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So you could call on the Lord, and you could ask him to save you, and guess what? He'll do just that. Matter of fact, he invites you. He says, come unto me, all you who labor, all you who are trying to be good enough only to fail, all you who are heavy laden, you know, in shame and sin. And he says, I'll give you rest. Doesn't get any better than that, that he calls sinners to himself. So we praise God for that. It's a free gift. You need to take that gift. Now, as believers, if you are one who's trusted Christ, then we are to walk in the steps of Jesus. So as he served, we too should serve. Matter of fact, he says he's coming again, and until he comes, we're to occupy till he comes, or be busy about his business till he comes. But ministry, I'll tell you right now, in ministry you could grow weary. Matter of fact, Paul writes this in Galatians 6, 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. If Paul is saying, don't grow weary in well-doing, that's telling you you can. You could grow weary. Ministry could make you weary. So there are times when you feel like you have nothing left in the tank. Uh, you're out of gas. There are times 
when you feel like you want to give up. There are times when, you know, in ministry, listen, there are times in ministry it's a great joy, but other times when you're greatly discouraged. That's how ministry works. Uh, ministry is long-haul stuff that you don't see instant results. Matter of fact, it's going to be short-haul in a minute because my computer is saying the battery is unplugged here. So, so if I don't plug it in, I got problems. I got problems and you got a short sermon. Okay, I think we're good. Okay. Ministry is long-haul stuff. And many times you don't see instant results. Sometimes you don't see any results at all. There are times when you're in ministry and you feel like you've blown it royally. Okay? Uh, there are times I've done messages and I'm like, ah, that stinks. I woke out here, beat myself up. And more times than not, those, those moments that I'm saying that God uses that sermon and he says, you still don't know anything, do you? So it's really about what God uses. Uh, it's just the way it is in ministry. Sometimes you feel like you said the wrong thing, did the wrong thing, and you find yourself discouraged. And that's when you need someone to come alongside of you and pick you up. Listen, I praise the Lord that for all those who have come alongside of me through the years. Uh, I, listen, just with a word of encouragement. It's amazing what one word could do. You know, uh, I, I like the golf. I don't get the golf as much as I would like to, but I do like golf. I'm not that great at it. We had our outing this year. I used to play more. Uh, we had our one outing this year. It was wonderful that the Ranger kept saying, come on, move along, move quicker. Come on, man. But that's okay. I digress. Um, yeah. And there's sometimes when you play around the golf, if anybody's played it, they make it look easy on TV, but you're in the woods, you're in the sand trap, you know, you're playing a lousy game, and then all of a sudden it's that one shot where the ball floats up in the air, lands on the green, and you're like, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. That's what it's like, that one word of encouragement that could get you and say, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it. The other night, I, I started shooting skeet. Well, actually, I shoot at skeet. I'm not hitting them well, but I shoot at them. You know, you know what they are? Clays? They're, they're clays. A skeet is not an animal. It's a clay pigeon. Clay is the key word. I, got it, I had Peter over there looking at me. It's a... It's a, it's a skeet. So, yeah, I liked shooting them. And uh, I was at this place the other night in the dark, in the night, and I was watching people hit it, and those things would explode. It was like fireworks going off in the night. It was great. This guy hands me his rifle, $10,000 rifle. He says, go ahead, shoot it. I made that thing look like the Red Rider BB gun. I couldn't hit anything. And then I hit that one, and I said, I'm coming back. It just took one. Just, not getting a $10,000 gun, by the way, but it was fun. It's that one. Sometimes it's just that one word that you hear at that right moment, somebody coming alongside of you. So I thank the Lord for those who come alongside of me and maybe say a word, uh, maybe text me something. Because, listen, discouragement is real. Ministry sometimes is tough. But you know what? Life is tough. If I was to go through a thing here, guess what? Everybody's got something going on. 
We may be here, it's Sunday, we're smiling, everything else, but there's always something going on. Somebody's getting surgery, somebody's got a loved one that's getting surgery, somebody's sick, somebody's this, somebody's that. That's what life is. So there are times when we can uh, be discouraged. There's times where we're like, enough's enough. David in Psalms, a few weeks ago, we saw that he said, I just want to make like a bird and fly away. I want to get out of here, right? I mean, just go through the people in the Bible. Moses, the greatest, uh, you know, uh, in all of Israel, had times where he was discouraged. You know, Lord, why did you give me these people? Yeah. Elijah, after taking down all the prophets of Baal, he says, take my life, I'm done. Even the great apostle Paul needed encouragement because of ministry. I mean, he's, he's preaching and all he's seeing are riots and unrest. Can you imagine that? You're preaching, you're doing what God tells you to do, and all that you have in your wake are riots and unrest. In Acts 23, he's preaching to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he gets in an uproar and says, there arose a great dissension that the chief captain, fearing that Paul would have been pulled into pieces, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the castle. He says, Paul's going to get pulled apart. This is how bad the contention got, all right? And it says, then the following night, the Lord came and stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so thou must bear witness also at Rome. Jesus appears to Paul and he says, Be of good cheer. So that tells us something that's going on in Paul's mind. Paul is discouraged, right? You don't say, Be of good cheer unless somebody's discouraged. Now understand, when Jesus is saying, Be of good cheer, he's not saying, Cheer up. You know, he's not saying, Don't worry, be happy. He's saying, take courage, or don't be discouraged. Again, you don't say that to someone unless they're discouraged. Why was he discouraged? Because it seemed like everywhere he turned, he was causing disruption. I mean, how is that successful in ministry, he had to be thinking? How is that effective for the gospel? So Paul himself is feeling at this point like he's blown it. So the Lord comes alongside of him to tell him to keep pressing on, Paul. You're going to go to Rome. You're going to bear witness to me in Rome. So I say this to say, if you are in any type of ministry and you find yourself discouraged, it seems like you're bearing no fruit. It seems like everything's blown up in your face. You're not getting the results you hoped for. Guess what? Think about Paul. You may think you're ineffective, but be of good cheer. Be encouraged because Paul felt ineffective. He needed encouragement and the Lord met him there. Be of good cheer. In his earthly ministry, you see Jesus using that term, be of good cheer, because he knew people needed encouragement. Because life is tough. We live in a fallen world. It's under the curse. Things don't go as planned, right? Did you ever do a home project? If it all goes as planned, you're praising the Lord. You're amazed. I didn't have to make three trips to Home Depot. How did this even happen? Right? It's not the norm. In Scripture, you read of Jesus coming alongside people who are discouraged and, and he's encouraging them to the, 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 the paralytic who was lowered from the stretcher, from the roof. He says, be of good cheer. To the woman who was hemorrhaging for 12 years, Jesus said, be of good cheer. To the disciples in the storm, he says to his disciples, be of good cheer. 
And even in the upper room, still continue with the upper room discourse in John 16, Jesus says, Behold, the hour comes, yea, is now come, that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I've spoken unto you, that you might have peace. Wait a minute, you just told us we're going to be scattered, we're going to be running, you know, doesn't sound too peaceful. He told them how it was going to play out. He says, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Be encouraged. Man, it, it's really encouraging that as bad as this world is getting to know the end of the book. Amen? That we could be encouraged that no matter how crazy it may get, he's not saying just, you know, have a stiff upper lip and tough it out. He's reminding them that, you know what? He gave them the Holy Spirit. Take courage. Because the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete is the one who comes alongside of us, who helps us and strengthens us and encourages us when we're down. But Jesus doesn't just give us the Holy Spirit. He gave us each other. Now, I know some people will say, all I need is the Lord. I don't need anybody else. Okay, people say that all the time. All I need is the Lord. I don't need anybody else. You may say that, and yes, no doubt you need the Lord, but I will say this, the Bible makes it clear that you need other people, okay? It makes it clear that you and I need people. People who realize they need people are the luckiest people in the world. Now, we need people because that's the way God designed it. That's part of God's design. Think about it. Right in the beginning, after God created man, what did he say? It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a help meet for him. Isn't that something? Man is made a social creature. We're created in the image of God. Guess what? You have the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the three in one. They, they, they had a, a unity, a, a, a communion together. He says it's not good that man should be alone because we are social creatures. I know there's times you want to get alone, but most people don't like the hermit role. Most people want to be around other people. So God says it's not good that man should be alone. Now, it's like the little boy. He was afraid to, to go to sleep at night. He had his room upstairs, and he was afraid of the dark. So he would carry on not wanting to go to bed uh, at night. So his dad went up to the room, and he talked to him, and he told the little boy, he says, there's no need to be afraid because God is with you. And the little boy said, I know daddy that God is with me but I want someone with skin I want someone with skin there are times we realize yes God is here but we need someone with skin to encourage to comfort to walk alongside of us to pray for us to help us with our burdens as we go through the difficulties of life we need people we need listen it's great to have people to share good times with right? You want to share it with somebody. Something good happens, you talk about it, you know, or whatever. That doesn't take away from the Lord, by the way. He's always there. He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. But let's not forget God's plan that he gave us each other, that we are physical beings. So with that, we know that there are times, because we are people in the physical realm, just as the little boy said, we need someone with skin. We need someone physically to come alongside of us to encourage us to keep pressing on. Go with me to the book of Hebrews in chapter 3. Because this is our word. 
as we go into this new year. Encouragement. I like that word. That's a good word. Encouragement. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. The writer says this, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We need encouragement daily. Okay? The letter of Hebrews, again, understand, is written to a bunch of discouraged Christians. They're discouraged because they were saved, but now they're under heavy persecution. And they're thinking of turning back. At worst, they're turning back to their old life before Christ, to the religious system. That's what the book is about, that, listen, Jesus is far better than any of the religious stuff you had before. So we're talking about turning back, at the worst, turning away from Jesus, or at the least, turning back from following the Lord, or becoming what we call today secret agent Christians. You know, Christians uh, you wouldn't know are Christians because they've gone undercover. They're not shining as lights in a dark world, therefore they're not making any impact in the world for the kingdom of God. So he writes, but exhort one another daily. What he's saying is every time we meet together, the early church, they met all the time. We meet, you know, we, met, we do things during the week. We have, of course, Sunday being the big day, but we have things going on Monday. We have things going on Tuesday. We have things going on Wednesday. But every time we meet, it says we should be exhorting or encouraging one another. Why? Because we all need it. It's an unkind world out there. And the church is to be a haven of rest. A church should be a place of encouragement. When we walk out of here refreshed and encouraged to go back out there. Okay? And all of us are to be taking part in this. We have to understand because no pastor can do it alone. So I'll tell you this. If you just come to church and, and take a seat, and just do the required greeting, you know, to those around you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. You know, you do your circle and then you sit back down again. And right after the service is over, you run out of here and you're not doing any encouraging. In essence, then you, you didn't do church because church is more than a building. Doing church is more than coming and just for what you get out of it. You know, listen, I hope you do get something out of coming to church. Okay, I, I, I hopefully, you know, that the word ministers to your spirit, that if you come in discouraged, hopefully you're encouraged. If you come and you, you need comfort today, hopefully you're comforted. If you need conviction, hopefully you're convicted. But church goes beyond that. We have to understand that. That comfort and that encouragement that you received needs to spill out of you to other people. Again, I cite the writer of Christian uh, of Hebrews who pens these words through the uh, leading of the Holy Spirit to a discouraged group of Christians. Turn with me a little further down in the book, the Hebrews chapter 10. We know this chapter, most likely. But let's look at something here. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, it says, Let us draw near with a true heart in the full assurance of faith, having your hearts sprinkled with an evil conscience and your bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another in so much more as we see the day approaching. Notice how important we are to one another. Verse 22, let us draw near. 
Verse 23, let us hold fast. Verse 24, let us consider. Christianity is not a faith where we're to live it out by ourselves. Okay? And we're to be here for us. Christianity is not the Lone Ranger religion. Okay? Nobody is supposed to be saying, you know, I'm a rock, I'm an island. You know, a rock never cries, you know, and all that kind of stuff. We're to be together. Understand? We're to be encouraging one another. And we're to be encouraged by others. That's the central part of the life of a believer. You know, and I get that all this us talk, let us do this, let us do that, makes some people uncomfortable. To some, it makes them feel vulnerable, fearing that, you know, if people really got to know me, they're not going to like me. And everybody wants to be liked, right? Especially all who do social media. Somebody doesn't like you. Whew, this is heartbreaking. Somebody doesn't like you. Before, you just didn't know if somebody didn't like you. Now, we're like appearing before Caesar. You're not liked. Somebody leaves you on open, right? Is that the word? Am I getting it right? Somebody leaves you on open. Oh, my word. And didn't answer me. You know, so some people fear that if people know me too closely, they're not going to like me. Others feel overwhelmed. You know, my life's busy enough. I'm going to get involved in somebody else. You know, sometimes the us part of Christianity can be uncomfortable. But here's the truth. The us part cannot be denied. Because there's too many one another's. There's too many us, us's talked about in the body of Christ. Listen, things like Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. Romans 15, 7, wherefore receive one another as Christ received us to the glory of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, wherefore comfort, one, uh, comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Colossians 3, 13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do ye to others. Uh, and reading an article about it, it says, this occurs a hundred times, one another occurs a hundred times in the New Testament. Fifty-nine occurrences, specific commands teach us how and how not to relate to one another. Okay? This is all throughout. It's the body of Christ. Okay? And it, listen, and how we relate to one another has the direct impact on the world. Because Jesus says this, by, all, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one to another. We've got a whole world out there where love is lacking where people are discouraged. But I'll tell you right now, if you get a church that comes alongside and builds each other up, it'll make a witness to the community. It'll make a witness to the surrounding areas. It'll make a witness to the world. That's what the church is supposed to do. And it takes all of us to do it. You see, let me tell you something. As the world gets darker, it only gives us a greater opportunity to shine. And all it takes is doing what the Lord tells us to do. But how do we fulfill these commandments to love, to comfort, to forgive? It takes by considering one another. It starts right here, right here in the church. I mean, it's pretty interesting. There's so many of these one another's. It's saying that, you know what? That each of us have a personal responsibility on the growth of each other. That we're this one body where all the joints come together. And guess what? Every joint supplies the need for the body. Well, let's go again, look in Hebrews chapter 10. We'll look at these verses that I just quoted a couple 
uh, weeks ago, again, written to discourage Christians, to encourage them to keep pressing on. So how do we put it into practice? Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Again, we have to notice the importance, let us draw near. You know, again, he's writing this to these Christians that are discouraged, looking to turn back, and they're saying they have so much more in the new covenant. Don't turn back. Let us keep pressing on. Let us keep drawing near to God. Listen, if you are seeing believers that were once, you know, walking with the Lord, now drawing back, that's where we come alongside people. And we encourage them to draw near to God. If we see Christians that are standing afar off, draw near to God. There are Christians who struggle with being accepted by God. And our job is to encourage them that they are accepted in the beloved. There are those who struggle with a guilty conscience. Uh, there are those who need to know, guess what? When you came to Christ, you were forgiven all of your sins. Praise God for that. You've been forgiven all of your sins. If you see another believer falling behind, encourage them not to turn back, but to draw near. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for faithful is he that promised. Let us hold fast. These are Christians that were thinking about letting go, about giving up. And the writer encourages them to hold fast, hold firm in the faith. And they say, listen, not because we're faithful, like I'm going to hold on, I don't care what anybody else does. It says because he's faithful. We just sang great is his faithfulness, not our faithfulness. We're shot out. It's his faithfulness. Again, we're to come alongside when we see people losing their grip, losing their edge, and encourage them to hold on to what they got. Don't let go because they got a lot. They got Christ. There's nothing greater than having Christ. Can I tell you something? You 11 o'clock people are much more subdued than the 8.30 people. Because I, I just quoted a couple great poets, and none of you, it went over all your heads. Did somebody catch it? At 8.30, they were on it like this, because I like quoting the poets, because I'm, I'm uh, you know, cultured like that. But I notice I'm, I'm quoting poets in dead air. So 11 o'clock... Let me encourage you to start picking it up a little bit because I noticed this the last couple of weeks, by the way. 11 o'clock has been a little dead in the water and if anybody's supposed to be awake, it's you guys, all right? Let me encourage you. Go. Listen, once you have Jesus, the fact is where are you going to go? And that's what we need to encourage people. We have the Lord, okay? We have an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for us, Peter says. By the power of God, we're not hanging on for dear life. Hold fast to a living faith, trusting that what God has promised, he's going to see it through because he's faithful. So sometimes you've got to come alongside people and just say, listen, here's what the Lord says. We could trust in that because he said it. Encouraging one another. Then he says, let us consider one another to provoke on the love and, love and good works. Let us consider one another. Again, not just the pastor's job alone. We're all to take part in this because many of you have closer relationships to each other than I would have with you. I mean, there's some I have closer relationships with and others, you know, I'll know them and minister to them, but you have a closer 
relationship. Because a lot of people don't want to tell the pastor because they think the pastor is going to be shocked that you would think or do such a thing. Can I tell you, I'm past shocked. I'm past shocked. Okay? I know we're all crazy. That's all. And anything's, anything's possible. Well, I'll tell you that right now. It's sad to say, but that's the reality. All right? But listen, we form closeness. And those, you know, if you're in the small group, we always talk about being in a small group, get to know people. Let me tell you something. I just had a testimony. Small groups are a blessing because you get to share with one another. It's your burdens and, you know, the things that are troubling you and your joys in life. You're not in a small group. We start again, sign up, be in a small group. You form a closeness on a Wednesday night at prayer meeting. It's a great time. Listen, and that's a small group. You know why? Because a lot of people stay home because they don't need prayer. But let me tell you something about Wednesday nights. Let me encourage you about Wednesday nights because on Wednesday nights I see, you know, there's a bunch of ladies over there that they know each other and they, they pray for one another. And, and over here I have the Acolytes, all the Acho people get together and, and they're praying for one another and enjoying one another. And I got men over here and there's men over there and there's some ladies in the back there. But you understand what I'm saying as you bear one another's burdens. Let me tell you something. You want to be an encouragement? Just show up on Wednesday night. And you'll be encouraging the people, the few that come here, that are praying. You would be an encouragement to show up. Well, I don't pray. Well, then sit there and be quiet. But just seeing you is an encouragement. Really is. Okay? On Friday mornings, we have a small group of men. We meet on WebEx. Okay? That's uh, uh, Zoom, on the, but we use WebEx. And we meet at 6.30 in the morning online. Some people call in. Some people, you see them, and you know what we do? We talk for a little bit at 6.30, and then we pray together. And it's a, it's a tremendous little ministry. You want to be part of that? Let me know. I'll email you an invite, and you can take part in that. And the times you can make it, you make it. And the times you can't, you can't. But you understand, it's, it's, it's just encouraging one another. It's being there for one another. On Tuesdays, we do our morning Bible study. We encourage one another. You know, those who sign up in ministries, outreach ministries, you talk to the people who work on the Nativity or the Float or the Easter or any of the other outreaches, the building and all that stuff. Bonds are formed. You get to know one another. You build relationships and, and, and you encourage one another. As you get to know people more, you can do what it says, provoke one another. Now, that word doesn't sound good, right? You know, you ever get your kids wanting to provoke you? I find it almost impossible to believe, but sometimes even Christian kids want to provoke their parents. Can you imagine such a thing? And I have to say that sometimes parents like to provoke their kids. I know we're not supposed to, but it is kind of fun. Anyway, did I say that out loud? Anyway, but what it means to poke in the side, it means to be a positive pest to another. A positive pest. And, and here's what it means. With a view to excitement. In other words, it's exciting to have the opportunity to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That he would want to partner with us should amaze us. You know, so we should serve with excitement, not like, ah, oh, I got to do this again. That's not what it's about. We're, we're to serve enthusiastically. The etymology behind that word enthuse, it means to be possessed by a God so that it's controlling you. Well, we're not possessed by a God. We're possessed by the true and living God. 
all right, the King of kings and Lord of lords who, who possesses us, and we should be doing it with joy. Listen, when you understand how great your salvation is, that God could look down through time and look through everything and call you, Lord, what can I do for you? What can I do for you who did so much for me? I was dead in trespasses and sin, but you would send your son to die for a wretch like me? What can I do for you? Not to get you to heaven, because you can't work your way to heaven, but just as a response of appreciation. Lord, you did all that for me. What can I do for you? Serve. Tell others. Tell others. Let his light shine through you so people see Jesus in you. All of us have something that we could do. So we're to provoke one another, get people moving in a positive direction. So how do we do that? First, it says by considering them. It means to observe fully. When we consider one another, we get to know one another and how to encourage them. Isn't it amazing that everyone is encouraged differently, right? I got four girls. They come from the same two parents, and all four are different. So one person, one daughter you could encourage this way, another one you got to encourage that way because they're totally different. So now we got a group of people in the church. Guess what? We have to encourage people by getting to know them, see what moves them, what motivates them, and encourage them in that direction. That's what it's saying. Find areas that they're gifted in. If you're sitting there in the seat and you hear somebody singing and they're singing like a bird right next to you, you may say, man, you have a beautiful voice. Did you ever think about going into praise ministry? You know, or, or somebody who is in the Word and they like to teach. Did you ever think about teaching? Just looking at them, considering them so that they could utilize their gifts and their abilities so they could flourish. So we're to provoke them, not to get people angry, but unto love and good works. And in this, I'm going to tell you something. The believer who's serving is going to feel happy. He's going to feel fulfilled because Jesus says this. If you do these things, happy are you if you do that. And the body grows. He writes, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We're getting closer to the Lord's return. Okay, we are getting closer. So what's he saying? We got to encourage each other more. Listen, there are great benefits of coming together. Okay, meeting the us's. One is his presence, right? We're two or three gathered together. What? He's in the midst. His presence is here. He inhabits, the Bible says, the praise of his people. You know, it gives us a like-mindedness. In Psalm 73, when the psalmist is saying, man, he's looking out there and all the evil seems to be doing good. I must be doing something wrong. And then the pivot verse, he says, then I went into the sanctuary of God and I understood their end. You know, it brings us together and we, it gives us a like mind that, you know what? There's other people who think like me. There's other people who believe that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Even though out there, I'm hearing something totally different. You see, let me tell you something. And you young kids, uh, you kids that are in, in public school and public sports and, and colleges, you need to be in church because you'll find that there's other people who believe just like you believe. It's, it gives us a like-mindedness, and it gives us an encouragement. When other you see others that are believing the same thing, that are going through the same things, gives us encouragement. And it's for obedience, God says, for us to be together. There's something that just feels good about obeying God, doesn't it? Just makes you feel good. That's the way it is. You know, listen, some of the best, one, in the days when I used to work out, I'm going to start again pretty soon. But in the days when I used to work out, the days where I felt the worst and I drug myself to the gym, I had my best workouts. 
I can't explain it, but just the way it is. There's some days you may not feel like coming to church, not being with the body, but I'm telling you right now, sometimes you just got to pick yourself and say, I'm going to go. And you know what you see? You'll find that God will bless you. That's just the way it is because he's faithful. You know, and think about it. We get an hour, maybe an hour and 20 minutes. Do you realize how many people are in Eagles Church today? You know what Eagles Church is? That's the Philadelphia Eagles. There's, that's a church. That's a belief system. They started at 6 o'clock this morning. They were making cheesesteaks up. They tailgate for hours, right? They, they sing worship songs together. Fly, Eagles, fly on the road to Victor. They're, they're singing praise songs together. Then they go to the game. They sit another three hours or better. And they're, you know, they laugh and they cry together. They minister to one another. Oh, did you see that? Oh, did you see that? You know, they minister to one another. This is what happens. Spend hours doing that. It's amazing. You know, oh, your church service lasts an hour and a half. Oh, is he not done yet? <laughs> what, I got to feed you a cheesesteak to make you steak? Come on. Maybe that's what it is. Cheese steaks for everybody next week. Yeah, listen. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. I'll tell you, at nights when I would do dinner in the movies on our Sunday night service, the place was packed. Give them a burger. Okay, let's, let's celebrate. Just the way it is. I, I get it because you know what? I like food. Anyway. But since we're to gather even more so when we see his day approaching. Even more so. And you know what's scary? A lot of times when we see the end coming in sight, we let down our guard the most, close to the finish line. We don't see it through. I'll give you evidence number one. You ready? Go look in your medicine cabinet. Go look at a prescription, an antibiotic that you were supposed to take till the end. How many you got left, right? I'm feeling better. I ain't doing the rest. Says you're supposed to take them till the end. I ain't doing it. Right? Start feeling better. We don't go to the finish line. Listen, as people, it says we're to keep doing this, keep encouraging one another as we get closer to the finish line. Why? Because, listen, it could be discouraging. It could get hard. I know we don't like to hear about that in America. Just tell me good things. But it could get difficult. In the last days, the Bible says perilous times shall come. Right now, we are in this we are in America, we are the most blessed and privileged of people that we could worship freely. I would just send an article. Did you see what's happening in Nigeria over Christmas? Did you see this? The persecution in Nigeria that it's become a sport for the radical Muslims there to kill Christians. It's a sport. We didn't have to think about that. We're coming in here. We're sitting in nice seats. The air conditioner's on. We got a coffee and a donut waiting for us. Think about this. I'm not saying that, listen, I'm not looking for that. I don't want that. I like the soft chair, the coffee, and the donut. But the Bible says in the last days, things may get darker. And as this nation gets darker, more evil will prevail. So the writer says, listen, let's encourage one another to keep pressing on, especially as you see his day approaching. Encourage others to keep their eyes on Jesus that God is in control, even though the world is getting shaky, that we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shook. So we're to encourage one another, but I'm going to tell you something. For us to be encouragers, verse 25 says, 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. To be a, a, an encourager, it helps to be here. It helps to be here. As a matter of fact, it says you're to be here more than less as we see the day approaching. And I, again, I know there's valid reasons why people can't make it to service. I know there's valid reasons why people, you know, they're sick or whatever. If you're sick, good, stay home. We've got a streaming service, right? Nobody wants to get hacked on. Stay home. Get better. We love you. It'll be good to see you. But if you can come and you don't come, there's a problem with that. There truly is a problem with that. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, you're not going to heaven. This has nothing to do with that. I'm not saying you're a bad Christian. I'm not saying that. Okay, but I'm saying this, that God gave us the church. And if you're going to grow into a healthy, developed Christian, it takes the body of Christ to do it. I've heard a lot of reasons. I remember I heard somebody say, it's too crowded there. I don't like crowds. Then I saw them at a Phillies game. So I don't know. Maybe certain crowds, right? We're to grow together. And if you can't be here, and if you're not here during the week, I'll tell you something. We live in a time where we are the most accessible generation in the world. Just think about it. If the Lord, you know, I believe that when the Lord puts somebody in my mind, I'm to reach out to that. I'll say it at Sunday school. I never call people and say, the Lord put you on my mind. Are you okay? That bothers me. When people call me, the Lord put you on my mind. Are you okay? I think I have this minute. Are you telling me something I don't know? You know, I don't like that. Just say the Lord put you on my mind. Uh, I'm praying for you. Lord put you on my mind. I just want to encourage you. I'll take that. Don't. Are you okay? You know, I don't work well with that. So don't do that to me. I don't care to do it with somebody else. They might like it. I don't. All right. But think about it. we are the most accessible generation. I don't have to say, you know what, man, the Lord put Mike on my mind. Let me when's the Pony Express coming so I could send them off a ladder or, you know, I got to come. Well, what's Morse code for? Hello. I don't know. I could text them. How you doing? I'm praying for you. That's all it takes. Takes a phone call. How you doing? What's going on? You were on my mind. I'm praying for you. You know, or a Facebook text. You know, you could use Facebook to post positive things. There are some people that have, that they just post positive things. I was saying, you know, the 830 service, Elizabeth is here. Every day I see something positive. That's what we need because the world is negative. You want to encourage people, post something positive. I don't need to hear, listen, I know that there's junk going on in the world. Post something positive to encourage one another. Right? That's just the way it is. Listen, our words can be game changers. Our words can be life changers. My brother-in-law, Paul Mena, great man of God, sends me a video last night, like 1130 at night. And I start watching this video. And I said, I can't believe this video is right what I'm talking about. Do you have it, Cody? Uh, look at the screen here. I want you to see something here. Carter is opening his final gift on Christmas, but he has no idea that what's inside this little Amazon box is about to change his life forever. Carter has been living with his aunt and uncle and their six kids for a while after leaving an unsafe home life with his biological family. He wasn't going back and he'd been taken in by the Kipharts as one of their own. So when Carter opened his present and pulled out a Kiphart family photograph, a photo which he wasn't even in, he was a little confused. But then he read the note inside the box. Carter, this is our most recent picture of 
of our family. All of us would love for you to be the next picture and to be part of our family. Harper, would you like to be to part and be an artist with me? Brother, we are going to adopt you, Carter. You love you, buddy. You never know. You never know how a word or an action can change a life. So as we go into 2024, let us encourage people. Let us be encouragers. To do that, to do that, first, we have to be encouraged. We have to prioritize the Lord in our life. We have to be encouraged by him. And as he flows to us, we're to be conduits, and it's to flow through us to others. Tonight, we'll look at ways that we can find encouragement so that we can be encouragers, because we all, at times, need someone with skin. And to do that, we all need skin in the game. Be involved, considering one another, coming alongside one another. And I think, you know what? I think this is a great church now, but I think it could be even greater. That if we would really take to heart this idea of encouragement, being there for one another, picking up for one another, I'm praying for you. How can I help you? Is there anything you need? You'd be amazed how it could change somebody's life. That's my prayer for everybody as we go into 2024. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit who comes alongside of us, who encourages us in our time of need, who's there for us, very present help. Lord, you've also given us the church body. I thank you for this church body. I thank you for so many that have come alongside me and encouraged me through the years that I know there's no way that I could have done this for this long without those people who've been encouraging to me. Lord, help us to encourage others. Help us to look beyond ourselves to the needs of others, considering one another, building up one another, so that as a body, when people look at this church, Victory Bible Church, they see the fullness and stature of Christ, that they know there's something special going on here because the love of God is seen in the body. So, Father, I believe that's the word you gave me for 2024. Encouragement. We all need it. Lord, I pray that we would take that seriously, each of us, and do exactly what you've told us to do, that it's about the family of God. Let us be there for one another. We pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.